0: hi welcome to our hot rod bible study so tonight we're opening a new book tonight we're in the book of hebrews and so if you've come here tonight or if you stumble upon the channel tonight uh, we're in the book of hebrews um, and it's a powerful book and so i'm going to read through um, the whole chapter in its entirety it's a it's a short chapter um, many people have come here tonight are, are thankful it's 14 verses tonight <laughs> uh, so we'll uh, get through the, the chapter tonight and we'll see what the lord has for us tonight So here we are, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. So it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than all the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angel did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you, And again I will um, be to him a father, and he shall be my son. He shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he says, Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the Son he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your, therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. And they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be charged. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstools? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So let's go back. I want to, you know, this uh, Hebrews, as we we talked, and we were in the book of Philemon last week, and as we're going through the letters of Paul. Uh, One of the things, uh, as we've come here to the uh, Hebrews, uh, one of the things, as uh, many, uh, one of the things, background, and one of the things that's going on with Hebrews is many times there's many conversations that go on uh, with Bible expositors about who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, if any of you are, are reading out of a King James uh, Version tonight, um, many of the uh, early manuscripts of the King James uh, does say that Paul is the, uh, the apostle who uh, wrote the book of uh, the Hebrews. And so, um, and it actually, in the early Bibles, it kind of said that that way. But many uh, Bible uh, expositors have actually read through it, and they um, actually took that down. And so there has been many uh, conversations about who wrote um, the book of Hebrews. Um, And so we're going to get into a little bit tonight. Um, I I thought it was interesting um, that some of the people that actually say, there's so many different um, ways that they say that other people have wrote. And one of the biggest things, one of the biggest clues that we see in the book of Hebrews is it, you got to say that it is much different. That if it was Paul the apostle, would have written it. It would have been much different. Um, his opening usually um, he told it who it was from. He would actually introduce himself as they did in those days, and then he would most of the time he would tell him to who the letter is to. And he would often say to the Ephesians, uh, we have the you know to the Thessalonians. We, we as we've been following his uh, his letters now, so we see and so this is what early on they started questioning. If Paul the Apostle had written um, the book of Hebrews. Um, and so, uh, as many people have been given thought to who it was, uh, the name, uh, I, I, I can't remember exactly, uh, the one of the, uh, it was Clemente who actually said that he thought early on that it might have been Barnabas. Um, and, and it's interesting that he named Barnabas that maybe possibly might be the writer of Hebrews. Uh, the thing that's interesting about Barnabas, we remember that his name means the son of encouragement. And this is one of the things that the book of Hebrews is. It is a book of encouragement. Um, We're going to see as we we go through it that it is one of those letters um, that the writer uh, wanted us to be encouraged and wanted us to know that Jesus Christ is far superior over many things. And we're going to go down this list. Um, He's going to name the angels, the prophets, the priests. And we're going to see as we go through this. And so here in the uh, first uh, chapter, we're going to see that he's going to talk about the prophets, Uh, He's going to talk about the angels, Uh, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. But also, I thought it was interesting, and I think Willie would enjoy this. One of the things that uh, Martin Luther, uh, early on, um, he actually uh, named Apollos um, to maybe possibly be the writer of Hebrews. Uh, One of the things that he pointed out was uh, Apollos was a man that they said that was very eloquent in his speech. Uh, He was from a man that was from Alexandria, Egypt. And so he was very well schooled in the Old Testament. And so this is one of the reasons. And there is many Bible expositors today that also believe that Apollos actually wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, So, and then there was another, and I think you guys are going to love this one. And there was many other names that were listed, but I I just brought up the ones because this opening uh, was probably going to be like five pages long. And I kept on cutting it back, cutting it back, because I said, this, this, this opening is so big. But one of the other people that I, lo- I thought was interesting here, that um, they actually named that maybe possibly Priscilla. Um, remember Aquila and Priscilla? Yeah. They thought maybe that possibly that she had something to do with the writing of Hebrews. And one of the commentators uh, actually listed that this was the reason why she did not put her name on it, because it would be a woman that had a letter in the New Testament. So we see that this is what they possibly think. And so as we've been talking about this, um, we all know that it really isn't that important um, to know who actually wrote um, the book of Hebrews. Because we know that that all scripture is inspired by the word of God. And so we know that the Holy Spirit moved upon men or women and and, and wrote as he he is. So we we see that and we'll see that tonight. Um, So it's not really that important uh, who wrote it. Um, But one of the other things that uh, we want to know is who he wrote it to. As we talk about the Hebrews, and we see the book of Hebrews, it was written to Hebrews and Jewish Christians who had actually uh, left Judaism and had come to know the relationship and come to know Christianity. And so this is who the letter is written to. And as we go through the letter, we'll start to open up and we'll start to see more um, as we start to make these parallels how Jesus is greater than than the things of the Jewish faith. And we'll start to see as they point those things out. Uh, One of the things that um, the writer definitely wants to point out that Jesus is the way to salvation. Jesus is the way, and I think this is powerful for us today. Um, And he told them that also as we go through that they need to stay away from tradition, um, also religion, is one of the things that's gonna come up that they need to stay away from those things and stay focused on the true word of God, on Jesus Christ himself. And so this is a powerful, powerful letter. Um, I've told you guys many of this uh, many times that I grew up in a church that were very traditional, uh, pomp and circumstance, that uh, many of the things that you had to do. uh, But I thought it was interesting as we go through this, I can understand um, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do, is trying to take them away from the things that they were traditionally used to Um, and in my experience what's interesting about it is oftentimes we try to mix the two we try to commingle them and so we try to actually do things that we used to do before uh, we came to know Christ Uh, but those things as we look at them we'll see through this letter that those become works and we know that we are not saved by work we are saved it is a gift of God we are saved by grace. And this is the reason why we've gathered tonight. We want to grow in God's grace tonight. This is one of the things why we've gathered tonight. And so also one of the things, the location, uh, many times if it was Paul, he always wanted to point out the location. Um, He was writing to a group of people and where were those group of people from? Um, This, the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews does not say where the letter is addressed and where these group of people are uh, that he's writing to. And so it does not um, come out here. But one of the things that really jumps out is, um, the uh, reader of this letter, they would have to be very well well versed in the Old Testament. Um, especially the first five books of Moses, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, which they call the Torah, right? Or the Pentateuch. And so they would have to be very, very well versed in these. Uh, so some of the things as we go through, I think it's, a, it's an amazing study. As we go through the book of Hebrews, uh, we'll go back and we'll see a lot of things going on in the Old Testament. And so... Uh, we'll go through that. And so the year, um, who wrote or what the year is, a time, um, I think it's important. Um, the year that they put on it, they believe it's uh, between uh, 67 AD and 69 AD. Um, this, they believe that at this time um, in the book of Hebrews, it's never mentioned about the temple falling. Uh, we all know that the temple fell in 70 AD. Um, and so they do believe that if it had fallen while they were writing this letter, it would definitely be in here. Um, So they do, this is the reason why they list it as 67 to 69, um, because the temple is still standing. Um, As we get into chapter 1, we're going to see that Jesus is superior to the prophets, superior to the angels. Um, In the early church, remember that Moses, remember they said uh, we worship Moses, right? We worship Moses and the prophets, and this is who they believe in as we talked about the Old Testament. Um, We're going to see angels and Many of you, we probably think about why is the uh, Bible here in Hebrews addressing the angels? And we see um, in the Hebrews here that he's addressing to, they had a uh, they had a belief that the angels had more power. And so we're going to kind of go through some of that and see some things. But one of the things, um, and we're also going to see um, the priests, they're going to go through the priests, but that'll be in chapter 2, and we'll see that a little later. But one of the things that really left them about thinking about the angels, what comes from Deuteronomy 33.2, Um, that the law was given through Moses that he was surrounded by 10,000 holy angels. Um, And so this comes from, like I said, Deuteronomy. And this was was later on um, that they believe that this is the reason why uh, that they have such a belief and such a power in angels. And so today um, they took a poll, and there's probably four out of ten people that believe in angels. And what's interesting, they said the number is even higher in areas where there isn't people that go to church. These are people who are non-believers that have a higher uh, belief in angels. Um, The Bible um, talks um, about angels. Um, If you don't know, it's 34 books of the Bible speak of angels. Um, And so it's interesting, and we can see something in this. As I was uh, preparing for this tonight, I see that we serve a God who is the God of order um, there are 17 books in the Old Testament um, that speak of angels, and there's 17 books in the New Testament that speak of angels. And so I thought it was interesting that he he gave equal amount to both parts. And so we can see um, the order of God. So at many times God gives people access, and one of the things that's important that we should always remember that um, that God gives people at many times it gives them a, a view of what the spiritual world. Uh, When we talk about angels, oftentimes in the Bible, it speaks about them being spiritual beings. Um, I came from a time that many of you, um, I remember there was a time that people would take pictures. Um, This is back in the days when we had Polaroids. And if, you know, some people here that don't know what Polaroids are, uh, Polaroids where they actually would, the picture would come around and we'd wave it all around. I don't know what that was all about, but we were trying to dry it, I guess. We were waving it all around. And then they would look at these pictures and oftentimes that people would say, hey, is there like an angel in the background and they would actually have some kind of uh, something in the actual picture itself. And so this got to be something that many people said today, hey, it's, it's a photography, it's a lie, it's something that didn't get developed. Uh, but we, this is the reason why we're bringing up um, angels tonight. And so we know that the Bible speaks about them. Um, but giving spiritual eyes to some people, I bring up the story in the book of Numbers um, in chapter 22, verses 20 through, 22 through 27. Um, And I know that we're all familiar with this story. Uh, It is the story of Balaam uh, as he was, uh, we we remember that he was with his donkey and there was a man named Balak um, that was ordering him. And I I love this. And and we think about our political party that's going on uh, today, I love this story that this man Balak was telling him to go down and to to curse uh, the the children of Israel. And, And remember that when he went up there, that the only thing that he could do was come out of his mouth, that he would just pour blessings. This is all that would come out of it. He would try to actually curse the, the the people, but the only thing that would come out of his mouth would be blessings. And I just, when I, when I was reading this, I was thinking about our political party. Wouldn't that be so amazing that the Lord would allow <laughs> blessings to come out of their mouths? It would be so powerful. But one of the things that um, we remember that the donkey, as he backed up and he actually ran into Balaam's foot first of all, and he actually started beating on his donkey, and um, remember later on, he actually starts to have a conversation with his donkey, and he's so in, enthroned about what's going on, um, he actually starts to have a conversation, and the Lord opens up the eyes of Balaam, and he actually sees what the donkey had seen, is this huge angel standing there with a sword in his hand, and this is the reason why he was in fear. Um, and so we see many times that the Lord gives allows people um, to see uh, things um, and also Hebrews 13.2 uh, says, uh, Do not to, for, to forget to entertain strangers, for by doing uh, so some have unwittingly entertained angels. And so they, we see by that verse that many times that um, angels can take on a human form. And we can see that, that uh, the Bible does speak about them taking on human forms. And so uh, one last one I'll share with you before we get into the word tonight. And it comes from 2 Kings 6. Um, and it is in a city called uh, Dothan. And the enemy had surrounded Elisha. We remember that Elisha, the prophet, he had been surrounded. And uh, remember that uh, he is, his, uh, his uh, assistant actually came to him and told him, Alas, he said, what are we going to do? We're being surrounded by chariots on every, every end. And it's interesting, Elisha told his servant, this young lad, he told them, the ones that are with us, are greater than the ones that are with the enemy that are coming up against us. And he prayed, Elisha prayed to the Lord that he would open up the eyes of this young man. And the Lord opened up his eyes and he was able to see the spiritual world that they on their side had chariots and had horses on their side that were in the spiritual world that he gave him eyes to see. And remember that in the story that Elisha prayed that the enemy would be defeated by, that they would be blinded. And the Lord granted him, granted him that and they were given a great victory and we see that there is a spiritual world and there's spiritual beings and i don't mean to make this any longer this introduction but one of the things that some of the i thought was interesting that somebody talked about that somebody went through and actually came out with how many angels they think there is and the number is in the millions um i didn't write down the number but some other other people came back and thought it was in the billions Um, but many times i think i think many of us We think about guardian angels, right? We think that guardian angels, and I love the way that Pastor Ed oftentimes talks about that his guardian angel is when he gets to heaven, his guardian angel is going to look at him and say, man, look what you put me through. He's going to be missing a wing. you know, All these things are going to be going through because all the things in life, Uh, but there's many times that that, uh, as we think about guardian angels, they they get us through things. Uh, Before we uh, get into the study tonight, there are three angels that are mentioned by name uh, in the Bible um, and I think that it's important that we point them out. But one of the things is, uh, we all know, and this is probably my favorite, is Michael, right? The archangel, right? And this comes from Jude 9. Uh, and it talks about him, that he actually has a dispute. And we're going um, in that direction of Jude. I don't want to get too much into it. But he, uh, he, as he's going through he's he's actually having a discussion with Satan about the bones of Moses. And I, and I think it's going to be powerful when we get to that. We'll see that. Um, but he also mentions Gabriel, and this comes from uh, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 19, and it is about him announcing the birth uh, to Mary and Joseph that they were going to give uh, to the Messiah, the coming Messiah, Jesus, right? Uh, and so we see that they mention him here, and so uh, does anyone care to guess who the third angel is, who is named in... Uh, we all know who his name is, but I, when I looked this up, I was, I was a little bit thrown back by who it was. Uh, it is Lucifer. Yes, it is Lucifer. And this comes from Isaiah 14:12. Uh, but the reason why I point this out is that we see that angels are created beings, yeah. and so we see that if we see his names being pointed out here, Lucifer, we need to always remember that we oftentimes we think we seem to try to put God and and the enemy, the devil, Satan, on the same uh, thing. But he is created; he is a created being, and so we are to know that if we serve a God, a mighty God, who is much more powerful, and so. Uh, they're not on the same equal playing field. So we need to remember that. And so we're going to get into verse one. <laughs> so here, finally, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways, uh, spoke in times past to the fathers uh, by the prophets. Uh, one of the things as we see as they're speaking here to the prophets, um, we, we, as we were talking about the author of the letter, um, it says that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke, um, and in times past uh, to the fathers by the prophets. And I think it's powerful that we see that it is God. Uh, we need not to uh, wonder. Uh, but I think it's powerful that we, there is no dispute here uh, that anybody disputing that there is a God. And also that God speaks. And we see it there uh, that he spoke. Um, when we get in, one of, the, one of the things as he spoke by the prophets. Uh, one of the things we see as he spoke through, through Moses by a burning bush. Um, this comes from Exodus 3. Um, he also spoke to Elijah uh, by, by a still, small voice. And I don't know about you guys, but oftentimes the Lord speaks to me in a still, small voice. I have to get far, far away uh, for me able to be able to hear him. But oftentimes, if I can be quiet enough or get away enough, that this is where the Lord speaks to me. So I thought it was powerful. In Isaiah, um, he spoke uh, to Isaiah by a heavenly vision. That comes from Isaiah 6. Um, and he spoke to Hosea. By, the, by a family crisis. And many times I think the Lord has also used the crisis in my family to speak to me. Because you know what guys, oftentimes I go along in the world and I have my blinders on. I oftentimes I think that I'm, I'm going along just fine and everything's just, just wonderful. Um, and, and this is the time that something happens in the family that the Lord is drawing me to see that I need something more than what I'm actually... I need to, to change directions in the path that I'm going. And oftentimes, as us as men, maybe I'm only speaking of myself. I oftentimes, I think that, no, I, I'm going down the right path. How do I know? We need to seek the Lord um, in the path that we're going down. It's very powerful that we would look for that uh, path. So we see some of the things that... He also spoke to Amos, the last one, by a basket of fruit. Um, and this is, comes from Amos 8.1. As he spoke to Amos through that basket of fruit, uh, one of the things that he was telling him, he was telling him that the children of Israel were going to be, they were going to be no longer, that they were going to be extinguished, that was going to be, or they were going to be taken into captivity. And this is what he's talking to him through. And so we see in times past that he did speak through the prophets. Uh, One last one, Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, in our hearts, all men know that there is a God. There is a God. Uh, And we're going to see a little bit more about that tonight. And so I think it's powerful. So here in verse 2, it says, Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's. We see um, the last days. I think it's important that we point this out, that it points out the last days. You see the coming of Jesus, the Bible talks about here being the last days. Um, and I think many people seem to think they're looking for some kind of a, a sign in the world. But the sign was the coming of Jesus being born uh, in a manger and, and to, to be die for our sins. This was the sign that was to come that we are living in the last days. Uh, but we remember what Matthew 24, 36 says. It says, no one knows the day or the hour. It says, not even the angels in heaven, mentioning the angels once again, mm-hmm. but only uh, my Father in heaven. And so he is the only one that knows uh, when this day will come. When we see that um, in the last things through uh, whom he also made uh, the worlds and he has been appointed the heir It reminded me, and and, uh, Mark um, oftentimes reminded me of this verse of John 1. And we all, in our minds, I think we have a a, a thought in our mind, or we we actually can uh, recite this verse. But I think as we read it through, it's so much powerful, so much more powerful when we read it through. It says, um, this comes from John 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God all things that were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it you see this is what's going on i believe today in the world that the world as it gets darker and darker the darkness can't comprehend it the darkness cannot comprehend it i think Uh, We see that. And one of the other things, uh, Colossians 1.15 says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We see Jesus is God. Um, And it points it out there clearly in Colossians. uh, But those are one of the things that the world seems to want to get away from. They often talk about Jesus as a good man. He is a prophet, a good teacher. But Jesus is God. And and I think it's important that we would... uh, Uh, We would tell others of this. Um, This is many times, and especially John 1, if you don't know this, this is where many false doctrines come and they start to change the word of God. But we need to remember, we also need to remind them is when we point something out, and and I know we've had this discussion before that other people, when they come and they try to bring their false gospel to us, we should lovingly, you know, somehow, some way get some of these scriptures. And when we can see that something has been changed in their scripture differently than what was actually and if they want to take it back to the original original manuscript we can go back to the original manuscript all the way back but when we see that something has changed this is where we take them to revelations and it says do not add or subtract anything from my word right Right? it said we were not to add or subtract and so this is the powerful place that we need to take them to out of love and that they would see and it would be very clear to them to see that they were being misled by whatever they believe in Uh, One of the last things here in this verse, um, in verse 2, it says the worlds. Um, In the Greek Greek language, it says the word uh, ion, uh, where we get the English word eons. So he created more than the world. It said he made the ages, the universe. And so we see that Jesus was with God or together. They were together as they created uh, the world. And so they were together. So here in verse 3, it says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I love this here when it talks about the brightness of his glory. It reminded me of an Old Testament. And this is the reason why I was uh, saying about a little bit about the Old Testament Um, And remember that Moses, if you don't remember, this comes from Exodus 33, um, that that he wanted to see God. He wanted, remember there was a, in that verse, he wanted to see God. And and in there, the verse says, uh, but he said, and this is God said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord uh, said, here's a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by. That I will put you in the cleft of a rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by; then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So you see that uh, he with Moses was only allowed to see the afterglow of God he was he covered him. And he was only allowed to see the afterglow. And even after he only saw the afterglow of God, we remember that when he went down to Mount Sinai, I remember what the people, they looked at him and they said, wow, what is going on with your face? Right? <laughs> it, is, it is glowing. He, was, he became, and I came from the era, he became like a glow worm. Right? He became like a glow worm. He, he was just glowing. And remember, they actually veiled his face uh, because he glowed so much. And that was because he saw the after the afterglow. What well, we see in God sending his son, Jesus, it, it, one of the commentators pointed this out. It's like seeing the rays of the sun. We don't actually see the sun. We actually feel and we see the rays of the sun. And this is the thing as Jesus coming, God incarnated that came to the earth. We are able to see and men interacted and spoke with God, but they would see the rays of God. These are the rays of God that we saw that God was here uh, on earth. Um, And we see that he was here. I think it's powerful that we see. um, And it spoke about the power of his word. We remember when Jesus was here, he had the power to heal, the power to forgive, the power to cast out demons. Uh, But we see now here in this verse, it says the power to uphold all things. And this is the sword, the power, the the power that we have in our hands. This is the living word of God uh, that he speaks about. Um, Very powerful here, he he points to uh, that he purged our sins, uh, and he refers to it in past tense, purged. It had already been purged, um, our sins. Um, And it's one of those things that um, we must accept the gift. Um, And he's using terms that the Hebrews would be very familiar with. Uh, One Bible commentator, I love the way he pointed it out, that they would speak about purging. Uh, They would go into the temple Um, And they would ask for the forgiveness on one day of year, right? We know the year, the day is Yom Kippur, right? The day of atonement. And so they would go into the Holy of Holies. The high priest would be allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Um, I love the story of they would actually tie a rope around his leg. And they would actually, as he walked into the Holy of Holies, because... They didn't know, the people didn't know, or the high priest would have known, but maybe he had some unconfessed sin or something going on in his life that he was going to the Holy of Holies, and if he was to drop dead, nobody could go in there and get him. So this is the reason why they tied it on his ankle. So if he stopped moving, they could just drag him out because no one was (laughs) able to go back. It's powerful, but if you study the Old Testament, it's powerful when you see these things at the high priest. But one of the things that we see is that when, when they went in there, to uh, offer this this offering for the Israelite, for this all of Israel, right, and for the people, um, that we remember that that uh, was something that was temporary. It was temporary. It was only, remember, they had to come back every year and ask for forgiveness over and over. And this is the thing that the, the Bible here is pointing out, so that he sat down at the right hand. And this is powerful because we know that the high priest, when he was in the Holy of Holies, he never could sit down. He didn't have a place to sit. Because the true atoning uh, could not, was not completed. And we see Jesus sat at the right hand. This is a position of power uh, that he actually completed uh, what he had come. And he sits at the majesty on high. One of the things that we know for sure that Jesus, um, that once and for all, that no longer was there need to offer sacrifices. Because once and for all, he was the atoning sin for the sins of the world. And so it points it out here, very powerfully here in verse 3. So here in verse four, it says, having become much better than the angels, as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. We see Jesus made um, much better than the angels, right? Jesus was much better than the angels. Um, We see that the angels cannot give out salvation, Um, even though the angels are um, actually beings that created by God. Um, they cannot bring salvation. It is only Jesus who brings salvation. Um, In those days, they said there had a dangerous tendency to worship angels in the early church. Um, And remember that Galatians 1.8 points out, it says, but even if we or any or an angel from heaven preached any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And so we see that um, there were uh, people who were worshiping angels um, at this time. And so this is the reason why here the, uh, the book of Hebrews opened with not allowing us to worship or to understand that Jesus is far superior. And this is what's going on. And you can imagine um, many of the Hebrews, they say here, or many of the Jewish people, they were being persecuted. Uh, we pointed out that they are in 67 to 69 A.D., um, we remember as we were studying through the book of uh, Timothy that Paul, in his last letter, which they believe in 67-68, uh, was martyred. Um, and he was actually taken out of the city gates and beheaded by Caesar Nero. And so we can imagine that the uh, persecution that was going on, and this is the reason why the writer of Hebrews is so much pointing out how Jesus is superior to all these things that they put their trust in. He's saying, no, put your trust in Jesus. And, and I think this, is, this letter is for us today. I think we live in a world that um, wants to put our trust in things. They want to put our trust, trust in economics. We want to put our trust in politi- politics, right, politically, uh, to put our trust in. But we need to put our trust in nothing other than the Jesus Christ himself. Um, I think it's powerful. And and, and we talk about you know a lot of people that put their trust in global warming and that we're going to save the world and all these other things that they put their trust in. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes I think that Satan is alive and well we can see here on earth because he uses these things to distract us from the true living word of God. He uses them to distract us. And so I think this letter is pointing out very clearly for us not to be distracted by any other thing that we need to be grounded in the word of God. And Jesus Christ Himself. You yes, go ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I really like how in the first verse of this book he draws them right back to one of the most familiar books for Jews of the ages, and that is Genesis. Yes. And I think that when the early Jews began to realize that Jesus was the Messiah, that and they were familiar with this passage in uh chapter one of genesis it says let us make man in our image mm-hmm. this this verse here is almost kind of a reference to that where he's saying hey we what, what was that all about yes right? they didn't understand that yes. for thousands of years yes and yet now it makes sense mm-hmm. jesus was there there yes you know and and uh this is yes. uh, right jump right into it yes in the
0: beginning yes yes it's powerful no absolutely Chris I think it's one of those things that and and I and I believe like uh, the writer here of Hebrews he wants to point this out and so like I said he, they're very well well versed in the in the Old Testament and so um, these are things he's telling them things that they would be very familiar with and as Chris pointed out that they would actually be drawn to oh this is something that we remember in Genesis remember they're they're very well versed in the five books that right? write the Torah and so they would uh would make the uh, correlation there between those books And so here um, in verse five, it says, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you're my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be my, be to me a son. Um, Here the reference, if you don't have it in your Bible, it's Psalms uh, 2, 7, that it says, you are my son, today I have begotten you. This comes from uh, Psalms 2, 7. You see that Jesus is above the angel. Never He never said to the angels that you are my son. He never said that to any angel. Uh, but in Job 1.6, we went with Willie. We went through the book of Job. Remember that the angels were referred to as the sons of God. Right? We remember that. But they are a group of angels. Uh, no individual angel was ever called the son of God. And so it's just pointing this out here. This comes from Psalms 2.7. And here in the second part of verse... Um, in verse 5 it says, And I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. This comes from 2 Samuel um, chapter 7, verse 14. And this was when the time then they were speaking about the uh, divine Covenant that the Lord made with David. And I love this because this is the time that we remember that... Um, that David, he wanted to build a temple for God. And remember what God said, he could not build a temple for him because he had too much blood on his hands. Remember that he had been a man of war. Uh, but the Lord says, uh, David, you want to build me a house? I'm going to build you a house. And this is what he was talking about here. And this comes from 2 Samuel 7:14. It says, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son, be to me a son. And he was pointing to the coming Messiah, Jesus coming. And he said, in that in that verse in the Old Testament, right after that, he said, "I will build you a dynasty, and that dynasty there will be no end. There will be no end to it." And so I think it's very powerful that we see here. And this is the uh, as we go through these verses, this is what the writer is telling us that that Jesus is far superior to any of the things that they were putting their trust in. And this is what he's trying to point out to them. So here in verse six it says, "Verse six it says, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world." He says, let all the angels of God worship him. The firstborn is a position of favor and honor. Um, The rabbis, they used to say that uh, the ancient rabbis called Yahweh himself the firstborn. And it is also a messianic title uh, for the Messiah. And so we see the firstborn is God. um, And it is here pointed out. Um, One of the things here, it says, let all the angels of God worship him. And this is one of the things that he's pointing out, that this is how Jesus is so much more superior than the angels that they were putting their trust in because the Lord told uh, them to bow down and to be worship, to actually worship him, right? And so we see that. It says, let the angels of God worship him, that they would worship Jesus. And so we see that he is far superior. He's pointing that out. And that comes from Deuteronomy 32:43. Um, If you go into your New King James that you're reading, you probably, the verse won't be exactly the same. If you go down in the reference, you see it points to um, uh, the Septuagint. That comes from the Septuagint or the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, And I never knew this. I learned something new this week, and I I was excited about it. Um, Oftentimes when I look in my Bible and I see a reference and it says LXX, I never knew what that reference meant, but it means that it actually Roman numerals for the number 70. And this is what they call the Septuagint in the Bible. It's referred to as uh, 70. The Septuagint means 70. And that's the reason why they put that LXX when they put a reference in the bottom of your Bible and they put LXX. That means they're referring to the Septuagint. Um, And this is what, it was the uh, the Greek translated um, into the Hebrew Bible. And I just thought it was powerful. And what, interesting that the reason why they call it 70 because they said it took 70 men. I was trying to figure out if it said it, it took 70 rabbis, but it took 70 men to translate it this is the reason why they called it the Septuagint. And so I thought it was powerful. Um, but yeah, I never, I never, I always saw that reference but never understood it. Mike. Yes, go ahead. In verse six, the word again, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, was, was the first time when Jesus created the world? Well, he when the first time was when he created all of creation, yeah. yes. And then the second time when he actually came again, he when he came as a child born in a manger, yes. Yeah, it's good thing you pointed that out, Mark. It was um, in my notes here. Uh, but yes, yeah, see, again, as we see that, um, as he was here first, and then he came again. So here in verse 7, it says, And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? Um, this comes from Psalms 104, um, verse 4. Um, we see that the angels ministered for Jesus. And Jesus is above the angels and we see that this is just a reference of 104 And he just continually goes down to the path um, the writer here goes down the path about the angels and so here in verse 8 it says but to the son this is powerful he says your throne O God is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom we see the father calls the son God as he points it out here we see that as he said but the son he says Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Right? It's powerful. We see that, and so this is one of those definitely verses that we go through. That people are uh, that come and knock on the door on Saturday mornings is one of the verses they'll take you to, and they actually this is one of the verses they actually change, Um, and so we need to be aware of that Um, and remember that we're always trying to reach people out of love. Um, John twenty twenty eight. We remember that Thomas. He actually referred to uh, Jesus. He said, "You are uh, to him a my Lord and my God." Um, we just got done with Titus in Titus two thirteen. It referred to God, my and my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we see that Jesus is God. Right? He humbly, if you think about it, he humbly, God who created the universe, the heavens and all in it, came to save humanity from sin was compressed into a baby and came into a manger to be born to die for the atoning sin for our sin for the sins of the world if when you really come to think about it that that god loved us and he did it all out of love right john three sixteen. for god so loved the world and he did it out of love um, and i just think it's so powerful and and when you when i when i was thinking about this that um i know it, it, it just brings me back to remember when lazarus when he was raised um, from the dead, um, and it just brings me back to thinking that, you know, Jesus was in heaven, and everything um, was at his, I mean, at his fingertip, it's always has been, he created uh, all of creation. Um, but it reminded me of Lazarus, that, imagine, imagine what Lazarus was experiencing in heaven for those four days, mm-hmm. and, and and then um, here it is, he becomes mm-hmm. a miracle, and he comes back. He probably wasn't too happy, <laughs> and, and, and remember, I remember that early on, the religious people, they wanted to kill him and they wanted to kill him and he, he probably was willing says well let one of these guys go I want to go back to where I, was. I don't want to go back to where I was yeah. for four days I want more than just four days and, and especially when you consider that heaven they say there is no time so he probably felt like he was there for less than a minute he probably just he just came right back he just didn't think he was there for any time at all but we see that um, he is God I, I thought it was imp- important too to point out he talks about the scepter of righteousness um, I love the story in the book of Esther um, and when we remember the story, if you're familiar with the story of Esther, that um, the king, um, he, Ahasuerus, right, was his name, and he wanted to, he had to, Esther came, and she wanted to speak to him, and they needed permission to come in to speak to the king, even though she was his wife. Uh, she needed per- permission. And so Mordecai uh, kind of put, you know, the, the whole people, the Jewish people, to save the Jews. They wanted to put him, and so she needed to speak to the king. And they say, if he holds out the golden scepter to you, then you can speak to him. And so we see that, and from the story that he did, he held he held out the golden scepter to Esther, and he was, she was allowed to speak. And so, this, through that, they saved it. And so we see it's a it's a position of authority. So here in verse nine it says, "You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness; therefore, God, your God, has anointed you uh, with the oil of gladness more than your companions." When it speaks about companions, there it's speaking about the angels. Um, and, and here we see something also, we see the Trinity in this verse. Um, you is referring to Jesus. We see God, and the anointed is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and it points out the Trinity here. And this comes from Psalms um, 45.7, if you're familiar with this verse, um, and this is where it comes from. Um, the previous um, verse, in verse 8, I'm sorry I didn't mention it, it comes from Psalms 45.6. Um, if some of you are keeping notes and trying to go back and look these things up. So here we get in verse 10, and it says, in verse 10, it says, And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. And so this one definitely for sure, as Chris pointed out, I, I think this leads everybody back to Genesis in the beginning, and back to John as we read 1 John. Um, and I think that it's uh, powerful that we see that Jesus was with God, and God laid the fo- when God laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of his hands. You see, Jesus is the perfect lamb of God and died for the sins of the world. Um, I, I think it's just so powerful there that uh, we see these things. Um, as we get through here, as we get through, the, that was uh, Psalms uh, 102, um, verse 25, um, if, you're, if you're looking these up. And so here in verse 11, it says, um, "They will they will perish, but you will remain, and they will all grow old like a garment. Um, we see in this, we see that Jesus is self-existent. He always existed. And this is one of the things that I think is important that many times people will say that, no, no, Jesus, he was created. He came to earth and he was born in a manger and he was created by God. No, he always existed. And this is the reason why John 1 is so powerful. Um, and it's one of the, the verses that we should always take people to that is very clear there in John 1. And so anyway, this was uh, Psalms uh, 20, uh, 102, two twenty six. Um, and here in Hebrew, uh, here in, in verse 12, it says, like a cloak, you will fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not fail. Um, this took, reminded me of uh, Hebrews um, thir- uh, 13, chapter eight, where Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Uh, I think that uh, this as, as we read it over and I think many times as us as being believers, I think many times it sounds very cliche. Um, Yes, I know that that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But one of the things that we need to remember that Jesus of the Bible, who we read of, is the same today. This means that Jesus, when he spoke to the woman at the well, and he had a heart for this woman, remember remember in the story that she was living with a man who was not her husband. But remember that God, Jesus, did not point out her faults. He led her down a path that she came to see her sin, And that he, but he loved her in in that way. He didn't come to her and say, "Oh, the life you're living, you're gonna go, you're gonna go in the, you're gonna go to hell." Or he didn't, he didn't, he didn't rebuke her. He led her down a path out of love to lead her to come to recognize her sin, that where the distance was between her and God, and she eventually came uh, back to the Lord. But one of the things that I always love is that we remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. This is the same Jesus, the same God who's Living, dwelling, uh, and today, and who's alive? Who's alive? Who's living? Scriptures. I just love that that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We remember that He said, "Where are your accusers?" When everybody dropped their rocks, and He said, "Does no one condemn you?" And he said, "I can. I don't condemn you either." He said, "Go and sin no more." This same God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. And so, this same God of the Bible, Jesus, is the same heart that He has for us today. That if we would come and ask him, and this is the only thing that he asks us, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I, I, and, and, you know, this is one of those things that, as early on, I think I, I, I shared this with you before, when I became a new believer, I said, wow, I, I did pretty good today. I didn't even sin today. But I oftentimes thought <laughs> oh that God. those were the, I, I thought that those were the actions that I did. But I, I didn't, at that time, I didn't understand that It's not only that my thoughts, but the things that I think of others, that the things that I think in my mind but that I don't say, I oftentimes say that if I don't say them, then that's not sin. No, it is sin. I think in my mind about people, and especially we oftentimes we talk about Pastor Ed when we get on the road, right? There's some things that we think about people that we, we shouldn't think that is sin. And so we should come. And I love the way that Pastor Ed always points out that we should always keep those short accounts. Always keep those short accounts that we should always come to the Lord. Um, his mercies are new every day, and this is a time when I get up in the morning and I say, Lord, Um, Help me to walk in your path today. And Lord, please forgive me where I stumbled yesterday. And and, and put me on your path that you have for me today, Lord. And so I think it's important that we keep those short accounts. Hey, Mike.
1: Go ahead, Chris. You know what's really interesting also in here is the whole first chapter, all the way through chapter 2 to verse 9. Verse 9 is the first mention of who we're talking about here. The the name of Jesus doesn't happen until verse 9. Mm-hmm. And so, I, to me, the Jews that were being saved by the Holy Spirit, and it, particularly the ones that were like the scribes that really knew the Old Testament, you know, they copied it down, you know, and they, they saw these things that they never really understood. Yes. I think these are just exploding in their heads. Wait a minute. You know? I knew the they were talking about side. Yes. yes, yes. And, uh, and it must have been just this incredible. Uh, Enlightenment, yes, and I think is one of the most powerful, powerful parts of the early church was that the Hebrews accepted it. Yes, there were a great number of Hebrew, Hebrews that accepted that. Yes. had they not, you know, um, it was important. It was important, happened. yes. And, and you know, uh, you
0: know, you think about that as they were getting that revelation about what they were thinking about, and they were getting that revelation. They, you know, it goes back to Scripture where it says, "You seek." You will find I mean, all along, like you said, though, they had known that they had been studying the scriptures and they had seen these things, but they really didn't understand it. But now it's starting to come into full focus. And this is what, you know, Jesus is leading us As we seek God's word. We, we will find and, and we will and you will see that they will see him. Uh, They're starting yeah. to see him. And
1: it's very powerful here in the
0: in early the Ur- church. And it's like I
1: think that whoever the author, author was is very car- choosing his words, his or her words, very carefully, carefully. up to a point verse nine chapter two where yes. he says yes and we see jesus, jesus. you know and uh i think it, it's very um, uh, it's amazing no it is yeah. very powerful very
0: powerful so here uh thanks for that chris uh, so here in verse 13 it says but to which of the angels has he ever said sit at my right hand till i make your enemies your footstool that's psalm 110 uh, oh. verse one um but we see that um the angels never sat um it was jesus who sat at the right hand of the Father. Um, and so this is a, a position of authority. Um, the angels did not sit. And so this is just another thing of pointing the superiority of the angels over Jesus. And uh, and as Chris pointed out, these are what, some of the things that the writer, whoever this writer is, and we know the writer is the Holy Spirit. You know, as we pointed out, it is the Holy Spirit. But he is drawing us that us not to put anything as i've been following ahead is not to put anything in front of jesus not to put anything before jesus and i think this is as as we get through this study we'll see um as we go forward we'll see that a little bit more and so here in verse 14 it says and they and they not all ministering spirits set forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation and so the, and the, I believe that the spirits that he's speaking about here is the angels um, to minister to those who will inherit salvation, and you see the, those ministering spirits are for you and are for me, yeah. um, and we see that it's it's powerful that we see that this is the uh, you know what God created the angels for, um, and one of the uh, as we got into the opening I, I didn't bring it up also that one of the things that one of the people went through when they wanted to know when the angels were created. Um, I thought it was interesting, as uh, Chris pointed out in in Genesis, early on in Genesis, as in creation, um, between day one and day six, they believed that the angels, all the angels, were created at that time. Um, And so this is what one of the commentators um, believed, and I just thought it was interesting. Um, So as we close tonight, um, I'll close. And so since this is a a hot rod Bible study, I'll close with a a commercial. It was a commercial uh, for Mercedes-Benz. This was years ago. Um, there was a commercial for Mercedes-Benz and the commercial would open up that there would be a brand new Mercedes and it would be going into a, a wall and it would be crashing. And, and the headlines would actually say that, that the Mercedes-Benz at that time were the most um, safest cars that were around because they had come up with this design that had these crumple zones in them which every auto, automobile manufacturer has today. That the actually the occupants would actually be safer because they would the car would actually crumple around and the compartment would be actually be uh would be secured they would be secured in this compartment and so it was interesting that at, at a at a meeting that one of the executives was asked that the wanted to know why um that the patent had they had never um, mercedes-benz had never went out after anybody any other auto manufacturer for um, using their patent um, for their automobiles because early on, Mercedes-Benz, when they came out with that commercial, uh, other automobile manufacturers would actually go through it and they would actually dissect a Mercedes-Benz And get the idea of how they did it and so they they wanted to take that idea and use it in their automobiles and so everybody all the automobile manufacturers did it General Motors everybody did it Ford, everybody did it um, to actually get it so such a good idea but they were asking the manufacturer why they never went after him for a patent infringement Uh, and it's interesting this executive said he said there's some things in the world that are too powerful to keep secret they're Mm -hmm. too powerful to keep secret he said Countless lives have been saved um, by the other auto manufacturers actually using the same crumple zones that we used. And this is the same with the Word of God. This is the same with Jesus Christ, that some things are are too powerful to keep secret. May God use each and every one of us to share the gospel with a world who so desperately needs it. Amen. 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 And in that last verse 14, uh, we, we sometimes think, oh, think that we're, we're when we're saved, that the oh, yeah. angels are watch out for us. But according to this, they, uh, the angels, are working before we're saved. Before we're saved. Well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely, Marv. I love the way you pointed those things out. I mean, yes, They spirit before. Yes. I think it's so powerful. So let's uh, go to the Lord and pray as we close tonight. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord, um, for the book of Hebrews, Lord. And, Lord, as we, uh, we go the next uh, 13 or 14 weeks, Father, we pray, Father, that you uh, would minister to each and every one of us, Lord. Help us uh, to see uh, what it is that you have for us, Lord. Help us as we uh, walk through. We ask, Lord, that you would walk and go ahead of us, Lord. Help us to see you more clearly, Lord. And we pray all
1: of those things tonight, Father, and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.